Breaking in. Early this summer, my kids and I were playing at our local park. When we returned home, we entered through the attached garage door and found the house door locked. We were locked out. The door entering the house has a regular steel exterior door and a storm door, a remnant from before the garage was insulated and finished. Really, the storm door could have been removed, but it remains, and at the time, it possessed a loose locking mechanism. I assumed one of the kids had inadvertently set the lock, but we later discovered my mother was the culprit. She'd stopped by the house to drop something off and inadvertently bumped the lock on the storm door. The front door of the house was also locked, and I hadn't carried a key to the park. Upon discovering we were locked out, my then seven-year-old son Mickey started crying and exclaimed we were going to be locked out of the house forever. Mick will occasionally burst into those hyperbolic reactions children sometimes have when things become reduced to always and never. Claire, seeing her big brother crying, immediately followed suit. So I had two children standing in the garage, bawling their eyes out, convinced we would never enter our house again. I descended the three stairs from the door and sat to look them in the eyes. I calmed them down and asked if they really believed we would never again enter our house just because the storm door was locked. They admitted they didn't really believe we would never get back in. They were just worried about how we would get in. I stopped them there and explained that was the right question to ask. Not would we ever get in, but rather how would we get in? I explained, not in a condescending way, but matter-of-factly that having an extreme reaction like crying certainly would not get us into our house. Action, I explained, is the only way to solve any problem. So I asked my six- and seven-year-old children to start brainstorming ways we might break into our own house. All options were on the table. There was no idea too simple or too absurd, no plan too silly or extreme. Before long, Mickey and Claire were laughing as they listed all number of breaking and entering scenarios. Some of their ideas were simple, like picking the lock, a standard go-to for anyone who's ever watched television. Other ideas were a bit more involved and destructive. Most of those plans involved smashing one of our windows. Either way, the children giggled their way through a bevy of possibilities, and I praised them for their wonderful brainstorming. I told them they were all fine ideas, and our next step was to pick which idea to try first. I told them we wanted to start with the simplest idea, the one that would incur the least damage to the house. Although I was pretty certain the front door was locked and all the windows were latched, I first had the kids run around the front of the house to confirm. After we confirmed our situation, we progressed to the next simplest step. Turns out my lock-picking skills are not up to snuff, so we had to scrap that. 
but Mickey suggested using a screwdriver like a key to turn the lock. That wasn't a bad idea, considering it was only a storm door lock. So I took a thin, flathead screwdriver, pressed it into the lock opening, and began to twist and press to see if the door would pop open. It did not. At that point, the kids were ready to break a window or rip the door off its hinges. Instead, I decided to use the flathead screwdriver and a hammer to pry the push-button lock completely out of the door handle, giving me access to the latch release. We were in. And once we'd gotten in the house, the kids and I talked about our adventure. That's really what it was. The door being locked was a very slight inconvenience turned into a valuable problem-solving experience. The kids had fun coming up with ways to break into the house, and we were only out the lock on a storm door we didn't really need anyway. I discussed all those things with Mickey and Claire. We talked about how the initial emotional response didn't help the situation, how it's okay to be frustrated or worried or scared, but also how it's important to keep our emotions under control, to be able to access situations and come up with viable options for action. We talked about how things are usually more challenging and scary in our minds. We discussed the Stoic philosopher Seneca's assertion that we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. The children agreed the problem wasn't really that big, and it was easily solved. A short time later, the kids and I had another interesting experience. We had gone to a local state park with a kayak. Long story short, we were fiddling around with a small, lighter kayak than we might have typically used, and all three of us wound up in the water. Having not planned on flipping the kayak, I had brought no extra clothes for the kids or myself. We were at the far end of the park, as far from the entrance as possible, and the weather had cooled a bit. Claire was shivering away, so I threw the kayak in the truck, and we hopped in. When I went to turn the key in the ignition, however... There were a few ticks, and nothing. We were at the wrong end of a state park, soaked and cold with a truck that wouldn't start. That led to a series of actions. I kept the kids calm and called my mother, who, like me, works at a school and has the summers relatively open. We were about 40 minutes from my mom's house, but we had a potential rescue on the way. While mom was in transit... I went about taking additional action. I thought I had seen an SUV parked up by a dock a short distance from our location. So I walked down there, and I was able to flag down a pair of travelers to jump the truck. They kindly obliged, and we were able to start the truck. I thanked them, called Mom, and said she could keep a holding pattern until I could see if the truck would keep running. We were able to make it out of the park again, but as I pulled to, to a stop outside the park, the truck died. Clearly something was wrong. The dash lights and gauges were also affected, so I surmised there was a problem with the battery or the alternator or a fuse or some such piece of electronics. I called Mom again and the rescue was back on. Luckily, I had my laptop and a DVD in the truck, so while the kids were initially a bit chilly, they settled in and contently watched Marley and me. 
that worked out well. I had time to contemplate the next potential step in getting the truck home. The kids were pacified, and I didn't have to watch Marley and me again. Don't get me wrong, it's a nice flick, but I'm only interested in seeing the family dog die so many times. My mother showed up. We transferred the kids over to her vehicle and we jumped the truck again, letting the battery get a longer charge. Action plan one was to see if we could get the truck the 40 or so miles back home. The truck started and mom followed me. We made it a bit farther before the truck died driving down the road. I was able to pop the truck into neutral and I coasted into a little field in front of an old building. I wasn't looking to have my truck towed 40 miles, nor was I very interested in having it towed to a shop in the area. So, we entered action plan two. Mom ran me to Walmart. I purchased a new truck battery, which I changed in the field. If the battery had gone bad, a new one would solve the problem. If the alternator had gone out, which we later discovered was the problem, a new battery would probably have enough juice to get me home. It did. We made it home. Once we settled in at home, I was able to discuss this situation with Mickey and Claire as well. We talked about how staying calm was essential. We talked about how it was fortunate to have people in our lives like Grandma we could rely on, how it was okay to call for help, and how it was also important to keep taking action to improve the situation. I reiterated the same lessons we discussed with the locked house door, noting that idleness certainly wouldn't solve the problem. I told Mickey and Claire I appreciated them staying calm and being patient. We talked about how knowing even a little bit about automotive maintenance was able to save us the money we would have spent on a tow and or an unknown mechanic. We talked about how even having a little knowledge makes it easier to come up with a plausible course of action. We also decided now we have a funny story about the time we flipped the kayak, and funny stories are important too. We talked about all sorts of things. We talk about these things a lot. Whether breaking into our house or dealing with a broken down truck, I want my children to develop self-control and emotional intelligence and problem-solving skills for the far larger problems they will one day face. The nice thing is, these problem-solving skills are largely the same across the board. They're transferable, at least to some degree, from one problem to the next. In any situation, it's important to first focus on self-control and emotional intelligence. We don't need to be devoid of emotion. Emotional responses can heighten our performance, give us the excitement or energy or adrenaline to perform at a high level. But if we don't have control of our emotions, they escalate to a point that diminishes our performance, making us unable to respond effectively to a challenging situation. We must recognize that our emotions alone will never solve any problem. We fall into the trap of confusing reaction with action, thinking that getting angry or worried or sad about something will change it, believing that complaining might fix a negative situation. This is false. Only action can solve any problem. An emotional response that initiates positive action is a good thing. But if our emotions prevent us from taking appropriate action, they become a liability. 
Thus, we must remain calm under pressure, in tune with our emotions, but not controlled by them. After our emotions are in check, we must begin to brainstorm possible solutions to the problem. In the initial stage of brainstorming, no solution need be ruled out. This type of brainstorming is often called blue sky thinking. The purpose isn't to establish the most plausible course of action. The purpose is to merely turn our focus toward solutions. In some solutions, the brainstorming process must be done quickly. If your house is on fire, you don't have a lot of time to blue sky your exit strategy. That's why, in those emergency situations, it's important to have possible courses of actions at the ready. That's why we have emergency drills in school. That's why my children and I periodically review emergency strategies in our house. That's why I discuss self-defense and situational awareness with my children and my students. It's important to think through scenarios before they happen, to practice our brainstorming process. Any process, when regularly practiced, becomes faster, easier, more automatic. By practicing brainstorming for challenges, one can become more efficient, generating practical ideas and disregarding others more quickly. For once the initial brainstorming is complete, a course of action must be selected. It is prudent to start with the simplest form of action. If your car stops running, check to make sure it isn't out of gas. It's simple, but it's a place to start. It's a baby step in the right direction. It's action, and action leads to action. That's really the next step in any problem-solving process, crossing off potential courses of action starting with the simplest and working up. Often the best way to eliminate options is through trial and error. Try the easiest thing to do. If that doesn't solve the problem, keep working up. If your car got, dies and the gas gauge looks okay, check the other gauges. Pop the hood. Check for other low fluids or broken belts or anything that looks like it might be out of the ordinary. That's really the way to attack any problem. And I am concerned portions of our society are losing these problem-solving skills. In school, we're largely forced to teach, forced to teach curriculum over problem-solving. There are far too many young people who have been left unguided and ill-supported with no strong model for emotional intelligence, while other young people are sheltered from every hardship and heartache. Both scenarios are crippling. We have more widely available resources than at any other time in history. Yet, the individual ability to most effectively utilize those resources seems to be a growing premium. We get so afraid of taking the wrong action, we take no action at all. And that is fatal. We become overwhelmed by the problem-solving process. We get stuck in the brainstorming phase, second-guessing ourselves, doubting our own potential solutions. We get overwhelmed in the action phase because we're afraid that the attempts won't work. We're afraid of the additional challenges a failed attempt might cause. Better to suffer a known fate, we convince ourselves. All those things, all those reasons we fail to take appropriate action, exist only in our minds. 
It's the thing that makes us feel as though we'll be locked out. Locked out of our dreams, locked out of the life we want for ourselves and those we love. Locked out forever. But we can break in. We can problem solve and break through those barriers. But like any other skill, we have to practice. Getting locked out, whether literally locked out of the house or figuratively locked out of something we want in life, can be a burden, can be an unwelcome obstacle, or it can be a game, a chance to learn and grow and practice. It all depends on how we decide to frame the challenges in our lives. If we want to improve a situation, if we want more for ourselves and those around us, we must recognize challenges for what they really are. Not something to be feared, something to be embraced. An opportunity to improve, a chance to learn and grow. We can either allow the locked doors of life to overwhelm us, or we can get to work. We can brainstorm ways to get in, because there is always a way. It may not be obvious, it may not seem possible, but there's always a way. We can take action and we can realize our first attempt may not work. We're going to fail, but we must know failure is not the end. It's merely a step in the process, a chance to eliminate those courses of actions that don't work, a way to get closer to our breakthrough. When we do this, there isn't any locked door we can't break into. Thank you.